This is an RNZ podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to Jesse. Mary Holm is here, our personal finance expert. Hello. Hi, Jesse. How's it going? Good, thank you. Got any questions about the capital gains tax? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, Yeah, no, I've unfortunately been busy with something else in the last few hours, so I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. All all 114 pages of the report, volume one. Did you really read half of it? Are you one of these speed readers? I've got a a pretty good handle of it, I think. It's it's sort of a pet topic of mine, and I want to make sure that I read the report rather than getting the news reports, which are always yes. sort of condensed versions or people's opinions, which mostly were people who haven't read it. So I wanted to make sure yeah. that if I had an opinion, I had to, had Go to read to it Go to the horse's first. mouth. Good idea. Yeah, but it's dense, man. Yeah. It's really dense. Yeah. But yeah. you're interested in another um, big financial story this week, which is the yeah. release of an online tool called Smart Investor. Yes, which has been put together by three government organisations, actually. It's on the sorted website, so it, that's the Commission for Financial Capability, but also the FMA and MB, Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, mm-hmm. got together. How it started was, under the new um, regulations that came in, companies, fund managers, issuers of shares and bonds and so on, have had to report a lot more information to the government than they used to. And that's all there on a website called Disclose. But it's not easy for ordinary people to access. I had a look. It's, it's not user-friendly at all. And the government got together and various people in the government and thought we've got to be able to make this information much more accessible to people and also set it up in a way that people can easily compare one investment with another. Mm-hmm. And so that project's been taking, you know, it's been going for a couple of years. I've been involved a little bit in in and out. Um, But they've now launched it and it's called Smart Investor. I was just thinking this morning actually how the word smart has changed. When Mm -hmm. I was a kid in the playground, smart was a negative word. It meant you were kind of smart aleck, you were full of yourself, you were arrogant. It wasn't a good thing to be called smart. And it definitely Um, wasn't good for someone to say that you were getting smart. No, that's right. There was was that TV show as well, wasn't there? But um, the other meaning of it was when when mum went to town, she looked smart in her hat and her gloves. Mm. But but the Amer- that was American in those days for smart to mean clever. But it's it's one of the many many American words that's taken over in New Zealand, and it now really? means means bright, yeah. intelligent, doesn't it? Generally speaking, and that's what it means in this context. They're talking smart investors, somebody who's got things sorted, and it's it's a pretty good tool. It's got quite a lot of features that wasn't that weren't there before I mean for one thing it brings together some of the the um tools etc that are already on the FMA's website on the Reserve Bank website etc it's all there in the one place mm. with click throughs to to get that information but um it includes you know calculators and 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 little questionnaire things that help you work out what sort of level of risk you want what type of investment you want in, certainly including KiwiSaver, but not only KiwiSaver. And it does things like, um, well, the KiwiSaver Fund Finder, which I've always been very fond of, does rank KiwiSaver funds mm. by fees and by returns. But on this website, it also ranks them by 
So if you look at, say, all the growth KiwiSaver funds, yeah. it ranks them by how many growth assets they've got, so how sort of risky they are. Mm. All of that's explained. There's a lot, so there's a lot more processing of information, and it does things like on the KiwiSaver fund finder, you can get a list of the returns on each fund over, I think, the last 10 years. On this one, on the Smart Investor, you can get a graph of the returns over the last five years compared with a graph of the returns of the average fund in that particular type mm-hmm. of fund. So at a glance, you can see whether the one you're looking at is more volatile than the average funds in, in that group. You know, And that's the sort of thing that will help people. Can I, I, can yeah. I respectfully ask for the average investor, is it necessary to have that much detail? Really good question. And and I would say for people who haven't yet had, as far as KiwiSaver goes, if you haven't yet looked on the KiwiSaver Fund Finder, mm. which is actually linked to this smart investor, I would go to the Fund Finder first because it's simpler, it's easier to follow, and it does give you the very basic information you need. Um it, this is more for people that want a bit more information. Mm. It lists uh, every investment in, and on the fund finder. You can get the top, the biggest ten investments in a KiwiSaver fund. On this one, you can get that, but you can also get a click through to a list of every investment in that fund. And so, if you were particularly concerned about ethical investing or something like that, and you wanted to see every last share or, or bond that uh, this mm. fund invests in. You can go through and look at that. So it's really for people who are a bit more, it's a next next level up, if you will, yeah. as far as KiwiSaver goes. But beyond KiwiSaver, it's also got non-KiwiSaver funds that you can, you can compare. And you can do a sort of quick comparison, and then you can drill in further if you want yeah, to. Yeah, that's quite good. And it also looks at bonds. It looks at some shares, not many shares, but all the different investments that are coming, that are reporting into the government are now on the smart investor and the, uh, in addition there's a whole lot of tools to help you work out what your risk tolerance is, to explain what, you know, there's supervisors there that check out that a fund is being um, investing the way it's meant to invest and there's an explanation of exactly what a supervisor is. There's a whole lot. I would recommend people get on it and just play around, follow your nose. You, yeah. know? you, you sort of going through from one type of tool to another. Um, smart uh, smartinvestor.sorted.org.nz, but we'll put a link up on our website, Caitlin, yes. if you're listening, can we do that? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's... It's, it's, it's very visually appealing, yes. and you can find your fund, and it will um, show you what the fees are and what the returns are and what the average is of each of those things. So that's quite yep. interesting. Yes, yeah, yes. So you can compare it with the average for funds of that of that type. Um, so I think, you know, it's great. It, it's a new tool that's going to help, and certainly – People who are, as I say, sort of perhaps graduating beyond the KiwiSaver Fund Finder can learn a lot from looking at, at, at this new tool. So so it's a neat thing to have there. And while I was looking at it, I was thinking that I've still got quite a few letters from listeners to this program who a lot of them were sent in um, in response to the book competition yeah. uh, at the end of last year. Some good letters. And so I went through and found three of them where... 
these people could get their answer from the smart investor. So, Great. Yeah, so I thought you might want to le- read the letters out and then we could talk about how the smart investor would help those people. Okay, here we go. I'm in my mid-50s and inherited $400,000 approximately 10 years ago. I was going to say lucky you, but inheritance doesn't usually mean luck, does it? Anyway, as we, had, mixed, I think. Yeah. as we had already paid off our mortgage and I am risk averse, I put it into two term deposits which have been renewed annually. I've been using the interest to help defray some living costs and now they're coming up for renewal and interest rates are low. I seek your advice on where I may get a better return that is not high risk but would allow the amounts to grow. Good question, Robin. Yes, and Robin, of course, wants what we all want, which is high returns and low risk. Mm. And... And, and you can't get that, of course, as we've explained many times. <laughs> any any investment that gives you high returns is also going to be riskier. But at the same time, she's she's looking at perhaps getting beyond term deposits. And I think, Robin, if you went on to the smart investor and look at the tools about understanding risk, about investment basics, it's telling you what is out there for people who don't want to take on too much risk. I mean, broadly speaking, you're probably going to want to look at um, investments that are in a managed fund of some sort. KiwiSavers are managed funds, but there's also non-KiwiSaver managed funds, and you could get into one that's kind of low to middle risk. Um, have a look at the history of their returns, see how wobbly the graphs are, and it'll give you a feel <laughs> for whether you can tolerate that sort of risk. But I think you'll find that if you play around a bit on the on that website, it'll help you kind of work out what options there are for you. Yeah, you might be pleasantly surprised. I'm just looking at the conser- even the conservative funds seem to have done pretty well over the last five years. Yeah, four percent, three point six percent, four percent, six percent. I mean, of course, as we all know, they've done everything's done well. All the investments, everything, mm. rental property, shares, bonds, and everything has done pretty well in yeah. recent years, and that won't necessarily continue. Oh, so, right. so Such those conservatives, yeah, though I'm a spoil sport, aren't okay. I? I don't want Robin to be hoping she's going to get four or six percent in a conservative fund, and then find she only gets two. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's another letter on whether to go mortgage, pay off mortgage or KiwiSaver or whether to save outside KiwiSaver. I had a question regarding mortgage payments versus retirement savings, writes this person. And apologies if you've covered this already. Well, don't apologise, Celia. There's, Mary's covered most things already. She doesn't <laughs> mind going over it again. <laughs> My husband and I, say Celia, uh, are hoping to buy a house next year. We're both 30 with two young children and reasonable incomes, and we'd like to pay the house off over 25 years. That sounds reasonable. Yep. Up until this point, we have contributed 8% to KiwiSaver in moderate to conservative funds. We changed to conservative this year with the plan to drop this to 3% in high-risk funds once we buy the house. She's smart in the new sense. So far. Yes. But her question is, is it better to continue to contribute to KiwiSaver at a higher rate once we have a mortgage or drop this back to 33% as planned and put any extra money into paying off the mortgage? I imagine the best thing to do would be would vary with interest rate changes, but it also seems unsettling to get 25 or 30 years down the track with no mortgage but also limited retirement savings. Um, 
There's another question. If it was a good idea to continue saving extra money, should we do it outside of KiwiSaver in a similar managed fund? She sounds like she's been at the Church of Mary for a few years, but just she wants does. some specific I was just um, you're going to say exactly confession that. Confession she's, she's, she's done some, um, some really cool things like yeah. um, saving for the house in, a mo- in moderate and conservative funds and then moving to conservative as she's getting close to spending the money, which is you know, exactly what I would suggest. And it's also good that she's thinking that once she gets the house, she'll she'll go back to 3% in KiwiSaver in a high-risk risk fund because at that point she's saving for retirement, which is a long way away. So she's got a lot sorted already. Um, and I agree, Celia, that it is a good idea to put any extra money into the mortgage. That's, you know, debatable. I've had that debate raging in my Herald column a bit lately. Uh, but I still think overall it's better to, once you've got the house, put the minimum minimum into KiwiSaver to get the, the um, government and employer contributions and then put the rest into getting the mortgage down. For okay. most families, that's good a good thing to do. I but know then, I won't draw you on this, but I, I heard uh, Michael Cullen on 9 to Noon today saying some of the recommendations in this um, tax working group thing is to change KiwiSaver to maybe go 75 cents in the dollar I did hear that. Yes, isn't that interesting? So that'll make it that'll make it that much more attractive. Halfway back to what it used to be in the early days, it was a dollar for every dollar you put in. And and also, I think um, he said um, to maybe not tax the employer or make the employer contribution pre-tax. Would I have that right? Yes, I think. This is where we for start Laura getting a view because anyway. I haven't had a chance to read no, it. No, no, I just no, heard fine. on the radio. I think maybe they might be doing that for some people, the lower income Lower income, income ones. yeah. I think possibly, yes. Okay. But um, getting back to Celia, she said, um, you know, whether the best thing to do would be to varies with interest rate changes um, that she's saying, talking about whether to put extra into paying off the mortgage or into... into um, KiwiSaver, nah, don't start mucking around with interest rate changes. And, I mean, for one thing, it's just too hard to keep track of it all, and you don't know where, where it's going to change next week. You know, no one really is very good at predicting interest rate changes. So just get on with paying down the mortgage and don't worry about interest interest rate changes. Um, extra savings outside KiwiSaver, yeah, um, the the Smart Saver says on the website it says it's aimed at everyone in KiwiSaver and those who might want to take the next step into a different type of investment. And so that's where where Celia is really. And use that smart investor to have a look at funds that are not in KiwiSaver, managed funds that are not in KiwiSaver, and it'll help you to work out which ones the best one for you. Keeping in mind what I always say, go for the low fees. Don't go for the returns. In fact, Smart Investor warns you specifically, don't go for the returns because they can change so much, whereas the fees hardly ever change. So go for the low fee ones. Great. Diversing, diver, diversifying beyond KiwiSaver is the topic of letter three. I'm in my mid-50s and I have a mortgage-free house. Some months ago I worked through changing my KiwiSaver provider and the type of fund I'm invested in using Mary's advice and the sorted website. And I don't look at my KiwiSaver balance at all. Shortly I'll increase my contribution to 8%. I'd like to invest a chunk of money into a savings product my KiwiSaver provider has and regularly add to it. Should I choose the same type of fund my KiwiSaver is in, growth, or would I be better to make this more conservative, like a balanced fund? And is investing in this type of fund what Mary would regard as diversifying and spreading my risk, or should I choose like term deposits or a savings product in term deposits? 
it's quite hard to keep it simple, reckons Heather. Yeah, yeah, and Heather raises some good points there. I mean, I'm always going on about, about diversifying, but I don't think that it's a bad thing to have most of your savings in KiwiSaver because that itself is diversified within your KiwiSaver fund is holding a whole lot of different investments. And when you're going beyond KiwiSaver, which Heather's looking to do, if you go into another fund, the non-KiwiSaver fund, then you've you've got pretty good diversification altogether, especially if you own your own home. You've got your own property then with your, with your home. You've got these, these other two types of investments. Um, what have I got written down here? She's saying also, should she perhaps go with a lower risk in the new investment? Well, not necessarily if... If she could go on to, on to the smart invest and work out what risk level is right for her, there's tools to do that. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to go with lower risk unless you're planning to spend the money fairly mm. soon. If you're not, if it's long-term money, you could be in a high-risk KiwiSaver fund and a high-risk non-KiwiSaver fund. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're not planning to spend the money within the you, next I know years. you, and you're keen on all sorts of diversification, Mary, geographical diversification, yes. uh, class asset diversification, but you're not really keen on diversification and risk unless you have one pot of money for one purpose and one pot for a different That's purpose. right. If you're, yeah, if it's, you're planning to spend it at a different period. But other than that, it's not necessary. Unless she's thinking, I'm feeling a bit nervous about my KiwiSaver, it's in a bit of a higher risk than I want to be in overall. If she's feeling that, then perhaps she could sort of modify it by having the other one in a slightly lower risk. But generally speaking, if you're at the right risk level for you in KiwiSaver, no particular need to do it differently out outside KiwiSaver. Great. So we're encouraging people to go have a squiz. Go yeah. have a squiz at this uh, new tool, smartinvestor.sorted.org.nz. Nothing else that makes you feel quite, you know, sophisticated. Does it? Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean. It makes you feel smart. Uh, yeah, I've got, oh, I've got a few growth assets. I've got a few income assets. Oh, that's what I'm paying in fees. Yeah, it tells you what percentage of of you know if you're in a particular fund, what percentage you've got of growth assets, yeah, which is yeah. property and shares. Oh, I'm focused more and, on bonds. Me got two two and a half percent property. Yeah, yeah. You might, and you might can get go a taste and for it. Have a look at what. I mean, if if nothing else, going into the list of all the investments that fund has. Which, by the way, you have to. I didn't, couldn't work it out at first how you did that. I had to actually email the guys that run it. You click on the name of the fund itself, and when you're doing the comparisons, click on the fund itself, and you get a whole lot more information, which includes what specific investments. And it might be interesting. You might find that your fund is actually investing in some little New Zealand company that you have heard of, and you think, okay, I'm going to go and support that company, I'm going to give them my business now because I've got an investment in it, albeit a tiny, tiny little one, but there it'll be. Great. Thank you very much, Mary Holm, who That's is in every fortnight with uh, Financial Wisdom. Uh, if you came in late or if you want to listen to previous episodes, uh, you can find her podcasts all set up for you. You can subscribe on the RNZ website or via the app. Uh, head to podcasts, uh, podcast page.